0: Merry Christmas, you filthy animals, and welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports bettor. This is episode number 25, Thursday, December 20th, 2018, and I have a packed episode for you today. On this episode, I'm going to touch on a legal update. We had a, some breaking news drop yesterday. Um, a federal sports betting bill was introduced to Congress by senators orrin hatch and chuck schumer it was a bipartisan bill 101 page sports betting bill that they dropped and it's just the beginning stages but this provides a potential federal framework for states um, to be required to adopt moving forward sports betting i'm going to touch on that and then a few other things and then we're going to jump into an interview with philly fran from the east coast who's going to give us um, an update on the legal betting environment there. He lives in Pennsylvania where sports betting just went live and right next door to New Jersey where he's been playing for a few months. So we're going to get some insights from him on, on the legal betting scene on the East Coast as well as some look-aheads at some bowl games. Um, he knows Penn State like the back of his hand so he's going to give some insight under their game with Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl and then he's going to give us some of his best bets for the upcoming bowl games. And after that, I will jump into a look ahead on the upcoming week of college football bowl games and then a look at the Week 16 card in the NFL. Really quickly, a little Super Contest update and the variation of the Super Contest that I play in the Chicago Super Contest. I've officially moved into first place or a tie for first place. There's four of us that are sitting at 49 and 26, Um a, a pool of about 200 people a little less than 200 people with two weeks to go so we got five picks each week that's 10 picks remaining and I'm going to be disappointed if I don't do anything but win this thing no one's got a better chance than the doggy juice so if I win I'm I decide I'm going to have some sort of contest here in January so it's to your benefit the listeners that I come out on top Um, if I win it or even a share of of first place I'm going to figure out some sort of way at a to share, share the love with everybody in January with some sort of playoff contest to reward the listeners because it's been a fun ride, and I feel like all of you have been along for, for the ride as well this year. So if I do get it done, I think it's going to surpass my feat of two years ago going 17 in a row, 17 for 17, and Survivor uh, survived all 17 weeks, shared a nice little prize pool there, but this one will surpass that for me, I think. So I'll keep you posted. First place, Super Contest. Let's jump right into it with some quick hitters. Yeah. So as I alluded to in the open, yesterday was a pretty big day um, in the gaming universe. Uh, federally, from a federal level, two senators. Um, one, Orrin Hatch, who's lame duck, old guy, who's going to be leaving the state of Utah. He's a Republican Him, along with Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York, they introduced a federal sports betting bill to the Senate. And this is just the beginning stages. So what they introduced is not even close to becoming law, but it does set into motion a federal framework for sports betting um, and regulating the states moving forward. So in a nutshell, here's what the bill says. While each state may decide whether to permit sports wagering and how to regulate sports wagering, there's an important role for Congress to set standards for sports wagering and provide law enforcement with additional authority to target the illegal sports wagering market and bad actors in the growing legal sports wagering market. Now, I'm going to delve into this a little bit more, but then I'm going to put on my <laughs> get on my soapbox a little bit. The libertarian in me is going to come out, but... Senators Hatch and Schumer, they laid out their key goals for their proposed bill, and here's some of those goals. Permit states to authorize online sports wagering to provide a regulated alternative to the illegal offshore market. Prohibit sports wagers on amateur sports events except the Olympics and couch sports. Establish a process to request to restrict certain sports wagers when necessary to protect contest integrity prohibit sports wagering by individuals younger than 21 and obviously athletes coaches and anybody associated with the sports require that sports wagering operators use data provided or licensed by sports or organizations to determine the outcome of sports wagers through 2024 and set requirements for data used thereafter that's an important one provide a process whereby states may impact or sorry make compact with each other to permit interstate sports wagering designate a nonprofit National Sports Wagering Clearinghouse to receive and share sports wagering data and look at suspicious activity. And then this one, the last point, the most important one, from a legal perspective, is update the Wire Act to permit certain interstate sports wagers while also providing additional enforcement authorities such as state cause of action and a new mechanism for the Department of Justice to target unlicensed offshore sports wagering websites. That one at the end is interesting because, as we all know, offshore sports betting websites have a huge presence in the United States, and if this bill were to be passed, it could provide uh, the U.S. government with the authority and the means to really attack these offshore websites. Now, there's so much going on here that I've actually decided, actually here on the fly, I'm going to do another podcast next week that really delves into this because this is one of the main points that I was, <laughs> I'm i hoping to cover on this podcast, which is the legal developments. You know, it's not all about just making money. We have to, people have the opportunity to make money here. Now, let me start by saying I understand the reasoning behind this proposed bill, but let's not kid ourselves. The reason behind this is because Uncle Sam wants to get paid. It's all about the money, and there's a lot of money involved here, so the federal government obviously wants to put their hand in the cookie jar Everybody wants to put their hands in the cookie jar. You want to put your hand in the cookie jar. That's why you're listening to this podcast. But here's where the libertarian in me comes through. I'm immediately, um, I guess for lack of a better term, worried about this development when the federal government gets involved with anything. That's when you start to see some issues. I don't want to get too political on here, but the state of Nevada has been doing this successfully for decades, and now... The fed, federal government's coming in saying, "Hey, we're worried this is interstate commerce potentially, since there's um, sports events where you can li- you can wager in a bunch of different states, and since there's a sporting event happening in New York and you can bet on it in Illinois or what have you, this is, involves interstate commerce, and this could be a vast overreach, in my opinion, of the commerce clause, and there's other legal." aspects that I don't want to get bogged down in the weeds here, but the Wire Act, they're changing the definition of sports wagering as well, so I'm going to delve into that in my next episode, um, but without getting stuck in the weeds here, this is troubling for a few reasons for me, but at the same time, not too surprising, because I always thought that we are going to see some federal framework come through sooner rather than later, but you have to understand that when the Supreme Court overruled PASPA back in May, That was just a federalism issue. And that, to dumb it down, I mean, obviously I'm simplifying this, but that basically allowed states to decide whether or not they want to allow sports betting. They ruled PASPA unconstitutional because it was an overreach, a federal overreach, telling states that they couldn't choose to do something. States now get to choose the way, since that was struck down, whether or not they want to usher in sports betting. But there's no federal guidelines involved. And now with the proposed bill, by these bipartisan senators, they're basically inevitably trying to get the federal hand in the cookie jar. And they're going to, they're trying to open up a, an oversight committee that looks at a regular betting activity and all that. I understand the integrity aspects involved, but at the same time, we should not kid ourselves here. The federal government wants to get involved because there's a lot of money involved. And my main concern here is when the federal government gets involved with something more often than not, and I'm not trying to get political here, it can thwart or at least curb potential growth. And I mean, it just makes sense because when you have a free, unregulated market that breeds more competition, there's less barriers to entry in the market and less regulation and oversight that breeds more competition, which breeds more innovation. And that's better for us consumers and it's better for the other people involved. And when the federal government gets involved here, and they're trying to restrict the types of people that can make bets, restrict the type of, type of bets that can be offered, and restrict the offerings of sports betting operators, not to mention changing the wording of the Wire Act to fit their purpose, which I think opens up another can of worms down the road. Um, that worries me. And if the main concern here, when and their stated concern, they stated this themselves, the two senators, if the concern is to and the goal is to thwart and shut down the illegal betting market and the rampant um, black market that exists in every city in every corner of the United States, then restricting legal offerings from sports betting operators is going to allow that illegal market to thrive. Um, Just for the simple fact that, for me, I would never bet minus 115 on every game on each side. I just wouldn't do it. And if they're creating a situation where they're Restricting, they're, they're taxing the shit out of these sports book, op, sports book operators and and uh, putting their hand in the cookie jar trying to take too much. They're going to restrict these sports book operators and they're going to be forced to offer minus 115 lines on each side. And most bettors won't care about that. They'll bet it anyway because they can bet legally. But guys like me and other people, they're not going to want to do that. They're going to look elsewhere where they can lay minus 110 or less. I can promise you that. And not only would a scenario where you're over-restricting and uh, over-regulating, not only would that keep the illegal black market alive, but I think it's also just going to serve to bring in less money in the, in the long run. So less regulation, I think, is better in this scenario. Look at the state of Nevada. They've been doing it themselves for decades, sporting events that are happening in every state, and yet Nevada, they've been doing it the right way, and they already have the safeguards in place to guard this stuff um, and to look at it uh, irregular betting patterns and what have you. So this worries me. And also it should worry people, the the whole wire act thing. And I'm going to touch on this way more in depth in the next episode. But if you have money in those offshore betting websites and they're, they're very prevalent as we all know, um, this updating of the wire act, I would be a little worried because that could provide Congress with the means to enforce, um, and go after these unlicensed offshore sports wagering websites and target them. So it's something to definitely keep in the back of your mind, but also at the front of your mind, this is going to be something that's going to be an ongoing saga. But for me, I'm just, I I was, I kind of knew the federal oversight would come and this is just the first step. This could take years. This could take several months. I don't know. Um, There has to still go through, several parts of congress before i think it has to have two readings before it even meets the committee so i'm gonna have more updates on this i actually haven't read it's a 101 page bill so i'm gonna read that before i I do the next um, episode next update on this but it's something to keep in mind it is a big deal and it is going to potentially restrict states or at least um, have certain rules in place for states if they want to usher in legal sports betting now for now it doesn't affect anything states are still able to choose what they want to do states are still allowed to decide whether or not they even want to allow sports betting and we have seen as i've touched on many states have introduced legislation already um, in the midwest on the east coast and makes sense you you know you see some states on the east coast rushing because they don't want new jersey to get you know people are driving in new jersey to make bets and when you look at the amount of handle that new jersey's had over a quarter billion dollars Worth of, of sports betting handle not hold handle in the month of October alone. When you look at that, I wouldn't blame neighboring states. You know, you don't want your people leaving to go, you know, pay, uh, you know, give the money to the other state. You want to keep it within your own borders. So, right now, states are allowed to choose for themselves. Many of them are looking at legislation, but this federal framework, this federal bill, could I mean, if it ends up getting passed, will trump and at least will trump the the state laws and will at least provide them. Requirements potentially in order to enter the the legal sports betting market. So it's something to monitor and look at moving forward. But in terms of individual states, uh, this actually moves into our next topic. Washington, D.C. officially passed legal sports betting this week, Uh, but theirs is a little bit more nuanced in D.C. It's a lottery system the bill authorizes both land-based and mobile-based sports betting but the caveat is that the bill is very restrictive on where sports betting can take place right now they're basically limiting it to class a licenses in the actual stadiums Um, there are class b licenses with with exceptions Uh, they can't be within a certain amount of certain distance of the class a um, licenses but um, basically It's a lottery system where one company, I touched on this uh, last week in the episode, or maybe it was the week before, but one company basically has monopoly on things, and I don't think that's going to be a good setup with the way DC um, has things going, but it's something also to monitor, and it is going to be legalized there. I think this stuff's going into effect um, rather quickly. This week, this ties into everything, the Sports Business Journal named its most influential people in sports business in 2018, and coming in at number one is the American Sports Gambler, beating out Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, at number two, and Roger Goodell, NFL commissioner, at number three. just shows that 2018 has been a landmark year for sports betting. Obviously, back on May 14th, the Supreme Court overruling of PASPA, And now a bunch of states entering the market, notably New Jersey. uh, But some other states around the country have legalized sports betting, and it's coming to other states as well. On the lighter side, the Cleveland Browns. This is from Peter King's column. The last six weeks, the Cleveland Browns have four wins. The previous 164 weeks, four wins. Things are looking up for the Browns. Alright, that's it for quick hitters. Without further ado, I'm going to jump into an interview that I recorded last night with our very own Philly Fran, friend of the podcast, lives on the East Coast, and bets in these aforementioned legal betting states, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So, hope you all enjoyed this interview. Without further ado, here it is, my interview with Philly Fran. all right we are back with a very special guest the man the myth the legend i had to track actually i didn't even really have to track you down for this but um we have scrapped the other guests that were in line and moved in philly fran um, who lives on the east coast he is friends with the twins and i've been looking forward to talking to him how are you doing man
1: i'm doing good thanks for having me on
0: so, you're, you live in Philly or you live like outskirts of Philly or where, where exactly are you at? So,
1: I live right in downtown Philly right now.
0: Nice. And then, have you been living, you grew up there too your whole life or were you from originally? Yeah, I grew
1: up, grew up just about seven miles north of Philly. Um, lived in Chicago for a few years after uh, graduating from Penn State and then just moved back to Philly about probably about four years ago now.
0: Nice, man. So, and you were at the. we were conversing over the weekend you were actually out in california you you were at that game correct at the coliseum
1: yeah big eagles fan so we took a trip about 16 of us out there um caught the eagles rams looked like a much better trip in the summer when we booked it but ended up being a great game i mean that was a huge win for the birds so they're right back in the playoff race looking forward to sunday
0: yeah man i could even like i'm sure you've heard this but you could literally hear, hear the fly eagles fly from the stands go eagles go and all that stuff and a uh,
1: ton of ton of Eagles fans out there. It's almost. It was actually. I wasn't even shocked. It was impressive. It was a uh, huge display from Philadelphia out in LA this weekend. I'm,
0: I'm assuming you were behind a lot of those chants yourself. Because it probably had a. Oh, I was. Years. I was right in with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was awesome. I mean, yeah, like you kind of touched on already. Like it's one of those games when you booked it. It's like, oh hell yeah, I could see McVeigh versus Super Bowl champs. Can be in LA and then. Like, even up to, like, just the weekend before, you're probably like, oh, my God. this Like, this is meaningless now. No wins. I,
1: I thought there was a chance of a blowout, and I, that wouldn't have been fun. That would have uh, really ruined that game.
0: Yeah. I mean, the game got up to, like, I saw 13 and a half at some point. 13 place. and a half. Yeah. yeah I,
1: th- I was uh, tracking the live betting during a game, and yeah. it was dropping quick. I think at one point it dropped from, dropped from almost plus uh, seven plus 700 down to, like, plus 200 down to uh, plus 100. And then there was uh, – and then became eagles favorite. my yeah. buddy Steven was hooking me up with the text updates
0: that was amazing and plus like i also heard like even going into it it was the biggest underdog role that a, a super bowl defending champion ever had yeah it was
1: so, uh they i think it's the line started at nine or nine and a half and jumped 13 quickly that's crazy
0: but yeah i mean you guys got the win and obviously you're still alive so I'm, i want to hear your takes on the um the upcoming game this weekend later on. But uh definitely. So you so you said you're from Philly and stuff. You're um obviously into sports betting, obviously wouldn't be here, but um I guess like give me a little rundown on how long you've been sports betting for, how you got into it, what your favorite sports are to bet. Just yeah, whatever you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, you
1: know, I started looking at sports betting in college, but just like every other college kid, I didn't have like any money. Um but I used to love running the uh Mar or Super Bowl squares every year. I'd be the guy that runs that in the dorms yeah. or the uh, apartment complex, and then uh, once I graduated college, started looking at it closer, and I think it really kickstarted back in uh, twenty thirteen. Me and my buddies, we were living in Chicago, took a trip out to Vegas for the first weekend of March Madness, oh, and I man. tell you what, that's uh, that's a trip to go <laughs> on if even if you remotely like sports betting. That was a
0: that's my that's that my number one
1: full blast.
0: That's number one on my bucket list.
1: Oh yeah, it's a, it's a good time. A game start about it was like nine or nine thirty a.m. out there. They run till about seven at night, and then you take a nap, and then you're out in the town all night and restart.
0: Is it, is it really that many dudes? Like, because I've heard that it's just all guys. That's like the one obvious drawback.
1: A lot of dudes, a lot a lot of dudes out there, uh, especially <laughs> especially in the sports books. Uh, we stayed at the MGM, so they have that great lazy river. And once you got there. Um, a couple of girls showed up, but uh, for the most part, it definitely <laughs> is a bros weekend out there. I was
0: going to say, if you're a chick, that's the weekend to go. Uh, yeah, I, I guess if you're so. a chick, that's
1: that's the one to dive in on.
0: <laughs> Except, like, every guy's just, like, pissed off about his bets or paying attention to the <laughs> yeah, games. Like, exactly. Just, like, <laughs> throw the throw the girls aside when they're trying to talk to you because you're looking at the screen. Yeah, it's.
1: Uh, <laughs> there, I mean, there are TVs and gambling everywhere. It's, uh, it's almost intimidating to go out there.
0: Yeah. Especially like some of the new books they got. I haven't been to the Westgate yet, but a, a, the super book there, I heard that's like so insane. But like it seems like every new book is popping up there. And obviously there's more and more every day. Yeah, you,
1: de- you definitely have to do your research. I know uh, when I first went out, I, I was a little bit into gambling. But uh, when you go up, you just can't name teams and parlays. You have to know the numbers um, it's yeah, associated with a and make sure you, you lay it out and you have it written out and you rattle off as soon as you get up there. I made uh, I made the rookie mistake of going up and naming names and then realized I need to put numbers to a name and put the wrong number into one of my parlays. And I was stuck with like Duke, oh, no. Kentucky, and then like a European tennis match for my first bet. Um, <laughs> lost on the tennis match, but we had, it was a scramble to try and find <laughs> that on TV anywhere.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. like all the legs are in and then you're like, oh shit, I got to watch some like it was, yeah, it was Singapore awful. match. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh so, like, what are your favorite sports to bet them? Obviously,
1: football. Yeah, so I'm a big college better, both college basketball and college football. Um, I just think there's so many games that Vegas covers them all. But if you really do research and look around, you can find the small upset wins. Like, uh, like I tweeted you a couple weeks ago about that Drake um, Vegas yeah. time at plus or over under five and a half points. And uh, what happened there was Iowa State's game was canceled. And Drake, right. Drake wasn't on the schedule, and they asked Drake about seven days before to play. And um, Drake was full of seniors. It was, they already thought they already played their last game. They were, hell yeah, we're in. Iowa State had nothing to go for. They already clinched the bowl game. This game was pointless. And when I saw five and a half, I was like, no way. This, these guys don't score touchdowns. So they're in state rivalry, they're yeah. ready to go. And here they almost won the game 42 and a half point underdogs. Yeah, no
0: I know, but I was I was catching that because you tipped me off on that. And obviously, like the bookmakers just went to their chart because they you know they made the spread, exactly. and made the total based off the, the season stats. So then, obviously, based off that, it was five and a half projected total points for team total points for uh, for Drake. And then it was oh man, as soon as you mentioned that, I, I saw like a lot of books tried to prevent. They tried to guard against it by eventually moving to seven yeah. with a lot of juice on the under. But but that shit was was done. Yeah, right was,
1: I, was not, I'm, I was a little nervous going into it, but I saw that first drive. It went down, scored. It was a piece of cake. Yeah, was, but uh, I, come, right dude, I feel like that's the best variety that you got. Um, I go in the NFL a little bit. NFL's t- I find NFL tough to bet. Um, there's upsets weekly. Oh, yeah. One week the Saints look good. Next week they're putting up 12 points. Um, I find the NFL is great if you like to do small parlays. So maybe you throw two underdog money lines into your parlay, and you might only have to bet 20 bucks to win five, 600 depending on who you're choosing. And more than likely, sometimes those come out and you win um but it's very tough yeah, just pick the favorite um and just go with that uh but i also like to bet i'm a big over better and i'm a big uh, major league baseball no run first inning better
0: i don't know if you've ever dabbled in that oh the first yeah i do actually that's like the market that and i am not as big into baseball but i uh try to familiarize myself with people that are and they they say like one of the best markets to bet into, and I've started dabbling in it more this year. Is the first inning to score yes or no?s uh, It's, that's, it's, that's it's
1: exciting, it. especially if you're at the game. You throw a couple bucks on that. And you no one scores in the first inning, and boom, you got yourself a couple beers for the rest of the game. Yeah. Especially if you get right. two aces going. I mean, I, I crave those days. You get you get Aaron Nola versus Serger, what, Phillies Nationals. That's like an ATM. You just hit the numbers in, you know, you're gonna win money. There's no chance right. anyone right. scoring that first inning.
0: Right? No, that's good angles there for sure. Um, so in terms of like your handicapping strategies that I met, you just kind of touched on how you like to look for those angles, like some of those softer markets and stuff. But do you have any other handicapping strategies like how do you usually like arrive at a bet like on a couch football Saturday do you bet like earlier in the week or what do you do
1: I, I'm usually late I usually I'm like maybe Thursday night Friday um if I'm in Jersey I'll bet it right Saturday morning or something like that um but I do a lot of research into like what have you done for me lately um I think I feel like a lot of these teams are different teams by the end of the season I think um, good point is, uh, like, I'm, I'm a Penn State homer. They lost to Pitt in 2016, the second game of the season, but then finished five, fifth in the college football playoff. That's a two two completely different teams you're betting on there um, during the course of a season. So I typically like to look back, see how they're doing the last five to seven games. Um, if it's a college game, I like to look at home versus away. Um, if you're playing at, like, say, the Big House down at Tiger Stadium in LSU, uh, Beaver Stadium, you got to throw a couple more points on the spread for uh, those home teams. Um, those venues are just very tough to play at. I know Vegas incorporates that into the spread, but, man, once you're there in person, it, it is difficult to play. Um, say basketball.
0: Yeah, sometimes not at all. Um, Cameron
1: yeah. Indoor, just as tough um, compared compared to going, say, uh, <laughs> uh, middle nowhere. I'll use Penn State. Penn State's basketball stadium is could not be less intimidating um, compared to Cameron Indoor. So it all depends on those home and away's um, where you're betting the spread, or if you're doing if you're going with the money line. But uh, the NFL, not so much. NFL home and away, it's to me, it's meaningless. Um, there's a few teams like the Saints, maybe, or you get a couple of those Southern teams that play maybe a Buffalo when it's snowing. You might look at it a little closer. But from what watching the NFL, uh-huh. I mean. These guys when it's home or away, they all show up to play each Sunday. So I don't think it affects them. Yeah, I
0: think, I think they, they
1: see bigger crowds
0: in college than they have in uh, the NFL. That's a good point. They're all pros, and uh, yeah, and obviously like, there's those you know the Miami Dolphins traveling up to Buffalo in December where where you obviously mean, there are obvious advantage angles there. But interestingly though, you just brought that up like um, this year for whatever reason it could just be. Because it's like an outlier. There's not enough um, data points, but this season alone, the home road splits in the NFL have been um, like more prevalent. Like more, there's more of a gap on the home road splits than not. Not to be like contrary to what you're saying, but I just found that interesting because I just heard like, that isn't, that, I know, Yeah, I didn't know. I know that. Yeah, it, it could just be you know, I don't know, just a thing with this year. I don't know if it's a there's a bigger thing at play there, but obviously, like the reasoning with you there makes sense because these players it's so much easier to travel and feel comfortable like you're at home in today's day and age you always feel connected and stuff so i think that exactly a lot of the home feel that you're that you're talking about so definitely Um, so the thing that the main reason why i really wanted to get you on here soon and like right away is because you're living in a state where sports betting is legal and that's pennsylvania and obviously you're right there right next to new jersey so I want to hear your take on what it's like actually physically going in there. I mean, it's been – New Jersey has been I think uh, six months now. It went June 14th is when they went live. So exactly. what's it like to actually physically go in there and uh, drive? To, like what, what's your routine? Like do you drive to Jersey? You still try to do – like take it away.
1: Yeah. I, um, I well, Luckily, I work just across the bridge from Jersey um, quick within a couple of minutes from my desk to uh, the border on there. Um, so what I typically do is I'll hop across the bridge – um, and do a lot of mobile betting. I haven't yet been in a casino in Jersey to bet, but I assume it's pretty similar to uh, Vegas. Um, but I use I like to take advantage of the mobile apps. So they got going. They have FanDuel and DraftKings, um, pretty much dominate the market over there. Um, and then there's a ton of little ones. Uh, one of the bigger, smaller uh, betting sites is Sugar House. So uh, Sugar House is a casino right on the river in Philly. Um, they opened the mobile. Mm-hmm betting site that runs in Jersey. So you can bet from there also. Um, just and FanDuel and Tr- DraftKings. You have to download a separate app. It's not the same app that you, as you would bet uh, on Sundays, but uh, it's pretty simple, easy to use. They run a lot of promotions. I think uh, FanDuel matches like your first hundred bucks. Um, DraftKings matched, I think it was like your first 200 or 250 and Sugarhouse played smart. They teamed up with Barstool, Um, and they're matching first 300. Uh So, um, if any of the listeners follow Barstool gambling, they, um, on Instagram, they, uh, really, you'll see sugar house all over their backgrounds and things like that. Um, only bad side of that sugar house app is it's horrendous. It is like one of the worst apps I've ever used. It's very hard, very hard to navigate, (laughs) tough to follow. Um, just not clean whatsoever. Um, So what I typically use is the Fandle. Fandle, it's nice, simple. You can live bet. I haven't had a game that um, I couldn't bet on yet. Um, Props are all over the place. I mean, you can bet on just about anything. It's nice and easy to use, which really, uh, I think, personally, I think a lot of market uses Fandle, but uh, I think DraftKings is right there with them.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I have like so many questions that have popped up from that, but um, the first being, I guess, like, do you – if you do, they limit the amount that you can uh, bet on, like the on the props, especially on these. Or I don't even know if you have noticed if there's a limit to the amounts that you can bet.
1: I haven't um, seen any maxes yet for what I can bet. Um, I've read a few uh, stories online about people being shut down on certain games and certain uh, I, max outs and things like that. Maybe I haven't won enough money to be maxed out yet, uh, but I'm sure there's some big time gamblers out there in Jersey really throwing some. Uh, cash down whether it's live betting or uh, before the game even kicks off but i I personally haven't ran into any maxes yet Um, i have noticed that you can't do a few things that maybe the offshore sites give you such as like you can't take a spread and parlay it with um, an over under you have to go by their alternate spreads and things like that so it might be off by a point or two um, which i found interesting but no, no maxes yet
0: Interesting. Are they usually like the side you're betting on on those apps? Are they minus 110 VIG uh, for the juice? For the most part,
1: they're all um, same as you get offshore. I mean, uh, Vandal, you might see it okay. off by, it might be one, 105 compared to 115 or something like that. Um, but sometimes okay. Sugar House or DraftKings has it for 105 and you can bet on there. But for the most part, they've been pretty close. Mm-hmm. Nothing that would uh, really swing your uh, momentum on putting a bet on that game or not. All
0: nice. right right because like my worry my big concern with all of this especially hearing that they're shutting down and restricting winning players is is that um th- th- they're gonna offer like minus 115 on both sides and that's like what i'm and not i don't want to get buried in the weeds here but there's like uh, there's announcement today with federal framework uh that the basically the u.s federal government wants to get involved to create a federal framework and i'm worried that that's going to hamper the the offerings like the sports opera operators too much where they're going to have to just based off the tax structures have to offer minus minus one fifteen on both sides. Interesting. Just, that's like, that's my, that's my big worry. But I've heard like, I've heard some bad stories out there of, and at the same, you hear that there's like a lot of big bets. Like there's six figure bets on NFL sides this past weekend in some of the sports books in person out on the East coast. But I've heard stories of guys who are, and this is probably like the bigger, you know, like, guys who have like you know thousand dollar units or ten thousand dollar unit size um where they're actually shutting down these guys completely or they're restricting their prop max bet to like five bucks or ten bucks and that kind of stuff kind of scares me i think that's more like the european side coming in you know they're trying to squeeze out the winning players because they just care about their bottom line and uh I i think it's really important to like to stand against that, and like everyone, band together as sports bettors.
1: Yeah, that'd be interesting, especially as PA picks it up too and it starts growing on um, what comes out of that and how big does it grow.
0: So where where are the books in PA? Are they? I've heard there's one open in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, so I think the first one opened in Pittsburgh
1: on uh, November seventeenth. Mm-hmm. Um, I know November that just first. because it was, it was my birthday, so it was a nice little early birthday gift <laughs> to me <laughs> nice um, of being able to sports gamble in my own. My own state, but uh, (laughs) since then, uh, early December, Sugar House opened up. I believe Parks was right with them. Parks is another casino uh, about 15 miles northeast of downtown Philadelphia um, where you can go inside and you can only place bets inside the casino. Um, So, Parks, I know of, is building – this multi-million dollar sports book right now. Uh, I haven't been over to check it out yet. I think, I believe it's still under construction, but they're really trying to go with that Vegas look with the TVs, the ticket. Um, everything that you have there will be right at Park. So once that will be done, that's interesting to see.
0: That's awesome. I, I just have like this feeling, I've been saying this all along, but I feel like even I'm underestimating how crazy this is going to be. Like New Jersey sports betting alone, they reached over – a quarter of a billion dollars in handle just in the month of October. That's oh, it's, obviously because of, the, and that's gonna. They're saying it's gonna surpass Nevada soon, just because there's so many damn people in the tri-state area, and like you know, guys like you traveling across the border. Exactly. Ben I think it's
1: um, it's really you're really gonna see it skyrocket. I mean, I think uh, PA was waiting on Jersey. It seemed like Jersey went over well, and I know people. You got what two or one and a half million people in Philly. You got another five hundred thousand Pittsburgh, and then you. Scattering throughout the rest of the state. Yeah, a lot of people begging the sports book and getting to the sports books. And since uh, all the states are so close, no one's going to hesitate to cross over the bridge and go check it out.
0: No, right. That's and I feel like you mentioned the mobile betting. I think that's the big key there because when you could just like log on your phone and in your case, just literally stay in your car, cross the border, and make your bets from there, that's just going to make it go up. Yeah, the level. mobile
1: betting, um, I think that's come to PA Early 2019, uh, they they haven't put a firm date on it. Um, cross my fingers it's before the Super Bowl, but we'll see. <laughs> but it should be before March Madness kicks off.
0: God, that's exciting, man! Like, yeah, just to be there right now. I'm th- I'm actually like thinking of just taking a trip out there just so I could check it out. Like oh, it's, it's definitely
1: it's worth it. Looking. I mean, it, it yeah. could not be easier. That they really just go by that blue dot. You have to share your location, and it's it's pretty specific um, on where where you're heading in Jersey. As soon as you cross that bridge, that's where you can log in and uh, yeah. get sports book rolling.
0: I've noticed that like in um, – because I went to college in Iowa and DraftKings didn't exist when I was in college. But um, I you know, I took a lot of subsequent trips, still kept up with a lot of people that live there. And same thing with the DraftKings and FanDuel. It's incredible like how accurate that is because you can't do DraftKings or FanDuel in Iowa. And so obviously like all those – all my degenerate friends have to drive across to Illinois and it, it knows immediately as soon as you cross. Oh, um, definitely. Crazy. But – that's good stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely I love hearing those stories about the East Coast and how you're, like, right in the thick of it. But um, let's let's jump ahead to the actual nitty-gritty here because you're a Penn State guy. Um, do some uh, bold game look ahead. So your Nittany Lions are in the Citrus Bowl against Kentucky. That one opened minus four, and the total was 48. And um, I actually put it I, – I put Penn State into pocket at minus four just because I had the game – Lying to where it currently is, around six and a half. But I'm thinking of playing back on Kentucky. But I want to hear your point of view here first. If Kentucky gets a seven, just based off what I've heard. But I, I would love to hear your take on this game. Yeah, you know,
1: typically I stay away from betting Penn State and the Eagles, even though uh, I think Penn State went like ten and two against the spread in 2016. I should have jumped on that train. But uh, looking at this game, I mean, I think Kentucky's thrilled to be there. I think you mentioned in the podcast about two weeks ago that look for those teams that are playing a bowl above them versus a team that are playing a bowl below them. And that's exactly what you have here. Um, So this game goes against all my logic because the best player in the field out there is going to be uh, senior quarterback, Trace Sorley. And I can guarantee you from watching him Mm -hmm. through the years, he's not leaving Penn State with a loss. That guy just knows how to win football games. (laughs) And uh, he leaves it all out there in the field. Um, So I know Penn State's walking away with a win. Now we just got to look at how many points. Um, If you got on Penn State at minus four, I think you're sitting pretty. Um, I like it at six and a half, but I don't love it. But if I were to put my money down, I'm taking those six and a half points. Uh, They're going to run the ball all over Kentucky. I don't think Kentucky's going to know what they're up against. I'm looking at like a 30-20 final score.
0: Okay. Because I was going to ask about the total as well, because that one, it's been sitting around 48, but... You mentioned the run game. That's where Kent. That's where Kentucky kind of makes the bread and butter. And I I didn't know this until I dug through, but I guess Benny Snell, their running back, needs 107 yards to break their school's all-time rushing record. Yep. And so I don't know if that's actually – I mean, this game is obviously not a championship game for them, but I feel like that just bodes more – that bodes well for the under. It's it, just the thinking it does. Being that if Penn State's running the ball and stuff and – regardless if they've established an early lead, Kentucky still might be looking to get him that record even, you know, running the ball, losing the game, that's just going to bleed clock.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kentucky try and get him that record. Um I think it's going to be tough. I mean, Penn State's D-lines has been playing pretty well. Um they're really shutting down the opposing runners, so we'll see if he's even able to break it and then if he's not even closer, they're going to start airing out the ball just to see if they can get
0: that win. Mm-hmm. I heard, read like a trend just I, would, I wanted to get this before we uh before we started talking to each other but i saw a trend on penn state that they're six and one to the under in their last seven games against the sec so and they're they're also only average what was this oh yeah and the they've lost four in a row straight up and against the spread against the sec and they've scored just 15 points per game average obviously i don't think any of those involve mick so it's kind of you know trends got to i have just take that with a grain of salt, but I just found those That's two That's definitely interesting. I know
1: they uh, they had a couple of rough games against Bama back in uh, 2010, 2011. And then I think it was also in 2010 they played LSU in the same Citrus Bowl and beat them 19-17. So not many high-scoring affairs with those wow. games. So I'd be curious to see if that trend continues.
0: Yeah, I might have to take a look at that under. I'm not sure of it. But, but uh, if anything, I think your point about McSorley kind of has me. I probably won't play back on Kentucky, and I'll probably just keep that position because – I've been tracking. I'm, I'm an Iowa guy myself. I've been tracking McSorley, obviously for a few years, and it broke my heart last year um, in Iowa City. That last second touchdown pass. Oh my god. Oh, that,
1: that was uh, that was a revenge game from a couple of days when I was in college against Iowa. Right? <laughs> no,
0: yeah. that felt good for me. Right, you talk about the uh, was that 2009? No, 2008, 2010, um, oh, 2010. in the.
1: Well, also, also, 2008 they lost, but 2010 in the pouring rain in happy valley right oh yeah penn state was ranked three ready to take over number two and i unranked iowa came in beat him 21 10 and i still have flashbacks from that game
0: that's right that was (laughs) i can't believe it's been that oh my god that's been so. and in 2008 i remember iowa won with a a kick but that game was freezing as cold i left i was a bad fan i left at halftime and went to like my buddy's place and we're pretty wrecked but That I would very similar kick
1: to uh, how they beat Michigan a few or two years ago.
0: Exact same thing, yeah, yeah. It was was like deja vu, but I remember we you guys were number three, I think, at that point, too. So we kind of ruined your season, yeah. I always got us
1: a few times that just they sting,
0: yeah. That's the Hawkeyes at home. They always they're always good for like one really good effort every year against a team that's better than them, so. Um so do you got any other bowl games that you're looking at or anything like that? Um Yeah, yeah that I got a few. Art?
1: Um I usually like to take about five games each week. Um I got a group of myself and four buddies, both from the Midwest and the West Coast. We team up each week and pick a few games. Uh we'll pull together a couple bucks and we'll parlay the five and then we'll take uh-huh. the whatever's left over, we'll bet them straight up um and divide the money equally. So that kind of keeps you in the game each week. So shout out to oh, juice awesome. Steve Matt and John on that they uh our fall long text message here rolls right through uh gambling so they'll be listening to the podcast <laughs> to see what picks we got this week
0: that's awesome I love, I'm gonna steal that idea actually
1: yeah it's great keep you keep you <laughs> investing in each game we've gone four and one a few weeks I keep it right on the edge um I think I was out in Chicago for the R1 loss where during the Red River rivalry I think I was the only guy looking for the Bama minus 35 game um and they ended up win by thirty four. So that was a heartbreaker. Oh
0: uh, yeah, yeah. So what do you guys, uh, what do you guys got this week? So this week we're looking at uh, the
1: Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. Um, that's Marshall in South Florida, which is on the twentieth at eight p.m. Mm-hmm. So that ball, I mean, that ball just sounds like it should sponsor like the MAC championship game, um, <laughs> and it should be played on like a Tuesday night. I mean, that just has the makings of a MAC championship. Um, South Florida, um, I don't know if you followed them closely, but they won their first seven games of the year, and then somehow Tanked. the wheels just fell off and lost yeah. their last five. Um, Marshall's D has been playing pretty good. So in their last five wins, Marshall's D has only left 14 points per game. So I think the Thundering Herd are going to go rambling here and take uh, take that minus two and a half. I think they, they win convincingly here. All right. Um, I like that. Next one I got here is the Makers Wanted Bahama Bowl. Uh, that's FIU versus Toledo on the twenty first at noon. So no joke, true story here. I typed in Toledo on Google, and then the first suggestion that came up was Toledo Christmas weed. So I think they're on something <laughs> here because this this game is going to be high scoring because these both these teams are going to uh, have a shootout into the thirty points apiece. Um, I think the over under right now is set fifty nine. So I'm expecting them to really blow past that. It's supposed to be 72 and sunny in the Bahamas. I don't think uh, that's even going to come close to being 59-60. I'm thinking 70-75.
0: I like it. I like it. Uh,
1: Another game we got out here is uh, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. So that's Houston Army on the 22nd at 330. Um, Uh Army, what they do is they just run that ball. They should really kick Rutgers out of the Big Ten and add Army because they may be a better value to the big 10 and they are a play just like the big, big 10 does. Um, so right now the over under set 60 um, I looked up Army's schedule. They've only hit 60 one time and it took two overtimes to hit it. I think uh, Houston does put points on the board, but I don't think they're going to have more than 20 minutes of possession time with the way army runs that ball. So I think army's going to hold on to that one. Um, went it straight up and hit the under. Good. Um, when Army played Oklahoma back in this earlier in the season, they held Oklahoma the 14 uh, minutes of possession, yeah. which didn't give them the I didn't realize it was that well. It was incredible.
0: Yeah, they almost they almost won that game outright. I remember that one. Um, yeah, that was, it was a great win. win. I love this one. Though um, it was interesting. I heard through the grapevine that uh, have you ever heard of Doctor Bob? He's like a a big analytics guy, but I guess he released the over in this one and that moved the price up. But I, I, actually okay. s- I side with you on this one, not Dr. Bob. I, I agree completely. I think Army's just going to bleed, bleed the clock like they're used to doing. And not to mention the fact that Houston, I don't know if they, they're going to show up they really Don't, uh, what's his name? Uh, stud defense player. He's, he's out. And, um, and army, the other like angle that I really like here is, and I, I got them in at minus three, like right when they released it it's i think it's four and a half now but i still like it there um but army recruits most their guys from or they recruit a lot from the state of texas Mm -hmm. and this game's in texas so i think they're really going to be trying to like turn it on in order to at least the coaching's aware of this to try and lure those potential recruits and stuff so i think there's there's that good angle as well that might not be even factored into the line. Yeah, in that's play. interesting. Plus,
1: you got the fans uh, or the players are coming for a homecoming game. They might have some friends and family coming out that they want to impress. So uh, that could even get them going a little more.
0: I like that. One. I actually might take a look at the Houston team total under on this one now that I've heard your take on that as well. Might yeah, be a good angle.
1: And then I got one more for you. It's the uh, walk on Independence Bowl. So that's Temple versus Duke on the twenty seventh at one thirty. So I kind of cracked up. That's called walk-ons in the walk ons Independence Bowl because a lot of these Temple and Duke guys are probably walk-ons to the football team being a, a Philly school and a basketball school. Uh, but this one's a good one. This is the, I believe the 27th is a Thursday. It's a Thursday at 1.30 after Christmas. It's for all the degenerates out there. It's like the perfect football game to bet midday at work. After Christmas, you're stuck. Right. You don't want to be at work. You're waiting for the weekend. Um, I think the key here is what Duke team shows up. Um and I'm putting my money on the one that scored a combined thirteen points the last two games of the season. So I'm all on the fight, fight, fight for the cherry and the white on this one. Temple's gonna bring the independence back to Philly. Minus four. That's a guarantee.
0: I like that one. All right. So we so recap those is that all five or is that just four? That's all five. I think I
1: got uh so I got Penn State minus six and a half, Eight. Temple oh. minus four. We have Houston and Army under 60. We have right. FIU and Toledo over 59. Over. And then we have Marshall versus South Florida. Um,
0: you got? You said you got two and a half? Yes, right. I got two and a half on that I'll one. I'll give that one to you. That could still be found. So Marshall, two and a half. All right. do that. Yeah, let's uh, – everyone listening, lock those in. I Those get the doggy you stamp of approval for what it's worth. But uh no, I like those, man. Good luck on those. I think that I like Army one the best for the reasons I already discussed, but I, I totally I also like the Florida International over as well. Army under. Yeah, fuck, man. Those are I might have to bet those right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we got they play out over the next week, so I might I might throw them into a parlay tomorrow.
0: That's good stuff, man. Um so what about Super Bowl predictions for you. What do you got? Oh yeah, wait. Actually, I want to touch on this. Uh, the Eagles game. That's right. Your so obviously, Eagles are hosting this. This line is crazy when you look at the look ahead from last week compared to what the line's at now. Obviously, most odds makers were thinking that the Eagles were going to lose that game to the Rams, be dead in the water. And I think the look ahead last week was Texans minus three. That's flipped, and now the Eagles are laying. Last I saw, that it's, it's two and a half, and it's actually. Approaching minus three for the Eagles. What do you uh, What do you think happens in this? That's one? what I saw too. Yeah.
1: So I, I I saw it on. I think it was Monday. At one point it was even. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think uh, trying to keep my homer aside here. I think the Eagles come out and take this. Uh, something about Nick Foles gets this city going. I mean, you talked to you called in the sports radio a week ago and it was a disaster. And then Nick Foles comes in, wins the biggest game of the year. Eagles are still in it. I don't think. I think Houston's overrated, and it's a perfect scenario that Eagles come out. I think they dominate. Uh, they're playing at one, so mm-hmm. they won't know if Minnesota won or lost yet. Right. I think they're really going to come out, dominate that game. Um, definitely take the two and a half points and see them come out the victory, and then we'll reanalyze next week to see if uh, what's on the stake for the playoffs.
0: See, I think that's actually a good point you brought up about the Vikings, though. If they you know, if they're in a tight game and they see that the Vikings are – because the Vikings, if they win, then the Eagles are out, right? I think that that's the scenario. So the
1: Vikings need to le- lose one of the next two. Oh, okay, so one of matter. The Eagles have to win out. So the Eagles have to win out regardless. Um, we need the Vikings to drop one. And they got – I believe it's the Lions it's the on Lions the road this weekend. And the,
0: yeah, and then the Bears next week. But the Bears exactly. might not be playing for anything. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the key. I just figured it'd be interesting if there was that scenario where the, you know the Vikings if they needed the Vikings to lose that's like one of those live betting scenarios that's a you know a dream spot where the players could be realizing they have no chance in the middle of the game you know find oh, out the Vikings like thirty but if they're still playing for it regardless um it's it's tough one for me because like you brought it up the the whole magic of foals and I feel like you definitely saw that last week. Like they're embraced they're in that same role they were in last year, where you, you know they're underdogs wearing the masks, you know every every game. But now I don't know if the team. Like I'm torn because I don't know if the team is is aware of this. Cause I, the team's definitely aware of the spread, but I don't know at what point they were because they were underdogs. Now they're favorites. So I just I, I'm trying to gauge that team. But for me, like I'm gonna have a tough time not taking Houston if it gets to three. Yeah,
1: that and you're, that's the thing too is. Uh, I think the players know there it's win or go home, um, and they can only control so much. But with the way Houston's playing, I, I'm just I'm not a believer in Houston. Um, this has nothing to do with the Eagles game, and you'll see it in my Super Bowl picks coming up here. Um, I just don't think Houston's that great of a team. I think they're playing well, but I think they're they're peaked. I, I, they're due for a loss. They're due for a bad playoff game. Um, they're coming up. I think it's going to be about thirty five or forty. Um, and rain in Philly on Sunday last I looked, and that could change quickly. Um, and that could just really uh, – that's just a warm-weather team coming to the Northeast in, De- in December could really affect them.
0: And the crowd's going to be crazy. I mean, that's one of those ones where you were saying earlier sometimes, you know, that's obviously baked into the line, usually three points, but that's, that's one of those games where maybe it's more than three points. So Exactly. That's interesting. That's good. So, So what do you got for – Super Bowl prediction. I hope it does not involve the Eagles again, though. Some people are going to question that. Yeah, so,
1: so unfortunately, I, personally, I don't think the Eagles will make the playoffs. I think a lot of little things have to go right, and the big thing is Chicago might not have anything to play for when they're playing the Vikings, which hurts us. Yeah. But um, looking at the NFC, I think the NFC is pretty clear. I mean, I think Dallas, Seattle, and Minnesota don't have a shot. Um, I, one of the spreads, or one of the props I was looking at this morning had Philly above both Seattle and Minnesota as a Super Bowl champion. So, Shows you what they think of them hitting the playoffs. Um, one of the big surprises I have is I don't think LA has a shot. I think um I think they peaked against the Chiefs on Monday night. That was their moment, and they are on the downswing. Jared Goff looks awful. Yeah. And really his, confidence. Just, he, yeah, his confidence is shot. He he's not the same quarterback he was weeks one through seven, one through eight. Um mm-hmm. and that just leaves Chicago and New Orleans. And I tell you what, the Saints If they don't have to leave the Superdome, I don't see them losing. Um, I think they have a clear path right to the Super Bowl. Yeah,
0: agreed. So you got Saints. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry.
1: You got Saints NFC. So Saints NFC, then out of the AFC, um, I don't think Baltimore, Houston, or even Kansas City is a shot. Um, As good as the Chiefs have looked, I think they also peaked that same game against the Rams. Um, I love Andy Reid, and I would love to see him win the big one, but I just don't think it's this year. And then um, that leaves you left with Pittsburgh, New England, and the Chargers. And New England, I think we're seeing the beginning of the end here for the dynasty. Um, they've, they've lost back-to-back games. I went against you this week. I really thought they were going to pull off one and a half in Pittsburgh. Um, I checked, backtracked my stats. It's only the third time the Patriots have lost back-to-back games in the last four years, which is Yeah, impressive. you said
0: that's an auto-bet. Yeah, so you I, auto I bet we were going
1: into that one, but – Pittsburgh pull it off. But at the end of the day, I think the Chargers take it from the FC. I mean, they're underrated good. Their defense is good. Rivers is hungry for some playoff wins. Um, I would not be surprised to see Rivers take them right to the Super Bowl, which would give us a Saints Chargers Super Bowl. I
0: like it. Uh, And then
1: uh, I think Saints come out on top there. Um, It's just, it seems like it's their year. Their defense is playing well. Um, You can always trust Drew Brees. Uh, maybe not in fantasy like last week, but you can trust him to win games. Okay. Um, I think this is the Saints year to take it all.
0: Yeah, I so a couple takes on that. The Saints completely agree with you. I mean, they're definitely the team to beat now, especially if you have to go into the Superdome and beat them. Um, but they're finding other ways to win because the first half of the year, they were just that high-powered offense and everything. But now the defense past few weeks has uh, just been shutting teams down, Even so they don't even need Breeze. And then to your Chargers point, I mean, obviously this is – a lot of this is going to come down to who wins that division, but and can they change that rule? Like, please like, cause either the chargers or the chiefs are one's going to be the five seed. One's gonna be the one seed. And that shit's got to change. I think, I, I think most uh, people, agree. it's a terrible, it's game. so bad. And like, they're, they're yeah. going to be the best two teams. In that, what, 11 three? Uh, yeah. It's just, it's a bad look. So I think I, I love your chargers angle. Actually, before the game last Thursday, I, I loaded up on some chargers futures again, just to, to win the division, win the AFC, and win the Super Bowl, uh, just because I, I saw that I think the potential was there. The number was good. And they, like you said, they have like, I think they have the most complete team in the AFC when it comes down to it. And a quarterback who's experienced, he, he has the experience. Definitely he doesn't. So, uh, and I don't think they
1: mind going on the road, even if, if they don't get that one seed. Um, I mean, they play in a soccer stadium. Right. So it's not like they have a <laughs> uh, home field advantage back in LA That's while true. everyone else is watching the Rams. So, I don't think they care where they go or where they need to do. Rivers mm-hmm. is going to figure out a way to win some games.
0: That's true. They almost embrace that. I, mean, I was actually listening to something that someone made a good point. If, if they, you know, if they do host a playoff game, um, the Chargers in LA, that twenty-eight thousand person stadium at the StubHub Center, it's all going to be a corporate crowd anyway. So it's going to be oh, one hundred percent. You might no even get t- uh, depending on uh, they play. It might be more away team visiting. Yeah, that ends up being like you know team like the bears or something I Maybe mean, not the bears but like like the eagles
1: invade towns pretty well so we'll <laughs> yeah. see uh, right. where they end up
0: right i'm mean, sorry i said eagles but they wouldn't play the eagles obviously but but yeah the steelers uh that's a good point so yeah maybe they can like embrace that that role you know the the hey we can win on the road angle so exactly that'd be interesting sweet man well um Ed, if you got anything else for me, I know signing early signing day was today. I don't know if you, Penn State got any good guys. If you have any takes on that, but
1: uh. yeah, they had a, they had a good class uh, this year. So right now they're sitting. I think last time I saw it was number ten on twenty four seven. It was twelve on rivals. Uh, Michigan just leaped them at seven, seven or eight depending on where you're looking. Ohio State wasn't too far behind. Um, signed a couple big names out Florida, mm-hmm. which is a good sign for growth in that state. Um, they hired an assistant there le- from Florida last year. it seemed like he had a big uh, recruiting year. So they should – I mean, that's going to bring them to the third straight year in a row at top 15 class. Um, And eventually that starts to pay off. I mean, these guys, that first class now is becoming juniors. These guys really start growing. And Franklin, a couple more years on his belt, you're going to see the depth chart really
0: pay off. Interesting. That's good. What about QB? Who you guys got in the wings after uh, taking over from McSorley? Uh,
1: So it looks like Tommy Stevens will take the lead. So Tommy got a little bit of time this year um a little bit in the Michigan game and uh he he plays this what's called the line position for Penn State kind of one of those do-it-all type spots so he's uh from what we've seen so far he's a run first so looking forward to seeing what his arm can bring but he should be able to take over for Trace and continue that success of the program
0: and have to check out that squad in the spring uh the spring practices definitely all right man well this is really good it was Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, it was awesome hearing about what the sports, the legal sports betting is like on the East Coast. So we'll have to bring you on again to, for an update on that. And uh, yeah, man, it was, it was really good. Thanks so much. It's nice, nice finally meeting you over over the phone. And uh, and howler next time you're back in Chicago, I'll get you a beer.
1: Definitely appreciate the invite on, and uh, we'll definitely hook up for another podcast here in the future.
0: All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Thanks. All right. Take care. All right, thank you to Philly Fran. That was an awesome interview. That dude's got some great insights. so hopefully I can bring him on again soon. Um, I also realized that I totally messed up when I mentioned that Dr. Bob, Bob Stoll, he gave out the over in the Army game, and that's why the number moved. Up. I double-checked, and he actually gave out the under on that one, so that's on me. Um, I am simpatico with Philly Fran and the under on that one. And as I said... The Houston team total under is definitely worth worth a look at the, at the right price. Another thing to note is regarding the total in the Florida International-Toledo game uh, that Philly Fran and I talked about. That total crashed from, it opened at 68 and crashed down to 59. So if you're looking at that, that's due to the weather. There's weather concerns um, in the Bahamas and that area, in Florida in general. You saw a lot of totals crash, so... Just wanted to make sure everyone's aware of that. Uh, that's not a comment on the actual play on the over itself, but it's just something to be aware of, the weather in the Bahamas.
1: That is correct.
0: All right, um, now to close out the podcast, let's do some look-aheads at the upcoming week in college football bowl games at NFL Week 16.
1: Yeah, baby! <laughs> yeah.
0: Florida International uh, tomorrow night. I have them at plus seven with a little extra juice and money line. I found plus two twenty five. But FIU's a good disciplined team under Butch Davis, and um, he's won and covered both times he faced the MAC. Uh, they got smacked around in their bowl game last year, so I think they'll be motivated in this one. Um, trends that support this: the MAC is four and twelve. They're on a four and twelve against the spread run against Conference USA. And Toledo just doesn't bring much here. My numbers have this way less than where the, the line, where I got the line. The number came down a little bit, but now it's starting to trickle back up. Pay attention to this one, but I definitely like Florida International um, to possibly even win the game outright against Toledo. Army. I discussed this one with Philly Fran. I got them at minus three, but still like this one for less at the at the current price, but... Um, I did have it as a lay three, take 10 points scenario, so I'd be neutral if it got up to around seven points, but I don't even know if I'd want to play on Houston regardless because they have so many guys who are who are out missing. Obviously, Ed Oliver, their, their stud uh, defensive lineman, he's out. Their other top draft prospect, cornerback uh, on defense is out, and they also had guys go down at the end of the season. They're the worst defense of all the teams in the college bowl games, allowing 488 yards per game. Army's going to control the ball here. You probably won't see Houston with the ball much on offense. And the angles I like the most, though, on Army here, and this probably explains the line move uh, quite a bit, um, because this has this did open at minus three, which I put into pocket. But Army is looking for their eleventh win of the season, which would be their most ever in school history. And you saw that worked out with UAB the other night. We were on UAB. They needed a win for the most wins in school history, and they got that. They came motivated. Uh, but Army, they were ranked this year for the first time since 1996. And I said this um, in the Philly Fran interview, but Army recruits players hard in Texas. They go after those Texas recruits uh, with their social media. And so this is a spot where they're going to want to attract those recruits in the state of Texas. They should go there with every ounce of motivation that you can possibly ask for. You can't say the same thing about Houston. So this one has blowout written all over it. Especially since Army should run the ball all over Houston in this one, um, but they still have to play the games. So don't don't go crazy. Remember that bankroll management. Uh, but another one just to make you feel good good about this play is military teams in bowl games are thirty three and thirteen against the spread, and they've gotten the money in five of the last seven armed force armed forces bowl games. So that's a great one on Army. Finally, Louisiana Tech plus two is where I got it. I think it's a plus one right now, but it's good for anything at a plus price. Hawaii might be disappointed to be playing at home here in the Hawaii Bowl, but Holtz, the, the Louisiana Tech coach, is probably the best coach as an underdog in college football, and that's saying something. He's As a dog, he's 48-24 and 24 against the spread. And according to Mark Lawrence, when Holtz plays teams with a winning percentage of less than 625, that against the spread number improves to 27-10. Uh, Hawaii is a favorite and they're horrible. 0-3 and 1 against the spread is a favorite this year, but listen to this one. The last 8 years and their last 23 games as favorites, Hawaii is 3-19 and 1 against the spread, laying the points, which is terrible. So, in my opinion, the wrong team is favored in this one. Give me the points with Louisiana Tech in the Hawaii Bowl. All right, let's move on to NFL Week 16. We've got two weeks left of the regular season. The playoff picture is starting to really get interesting. There's so many different permutations on what can happen, but right now it's really important to understand the playoff implications and the scenarios for the different teams because there are teams this week with nothing to play for. You're seeing it already with the Carolina Panthers ruling Cam Newton out for that game. If you're able to get down on Atlanta at the plus price before that news was announced, then you're sitting with a really good position, but... You see teams with nothing to play for, teams with a lot to play for, and that is going to lead to inflated lines. Now, something that you should keep in mind here is the odds makers know. know, If you're going to bet something with a a certain notion, usually the line reflects that notion. So in these scenarios, you see often cases where, let's say, a team is laying 5.5 points where normally they'd be laying 3 The odds makers have that extra two and a half points due to everything involved, the lack of motivation, blah, 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 some players being out. But then oftentimes you'll see the market bet into that already inflated number that's taking those things into account. So you'll see that five and a half line get bet up to to seven by the public right before the game kicks off. So you're actually catching even more value because the public's betting into something um, based off their notion of a lack of motivation where the odds makers are already factoring that into the lions. So in scenarios like that, you are seeing, you're going to see a lot of ugly underdogs catching extra points that they shouldn't be. The market's already bet into them and you could find a few points of value on underdogs there, but obviously you got to back them uh, with uh, you know, with a grain of salt. You can't be too confident betting these teams with not much motivation, but at the same time, as Philly Fran touched on, these guys are professional players playing for their, their jobs. So you have to keep that in mind when you're thinking a team, oh, they're just not going to show up. But at the same time, motivation is key. And uh, team scenarios, it's going to obviously have an impact on which players play. Um, some teams are resting players. Some teams aren't. Obviously, the Green Bay Packers, you got to pay attention to that one. You saw a weird line move in that one. There was uncertainty on whether Aaron Rodgers would play, so the line moved to pick him. And now it's announced that Aaron Rodgers probably is going to play, so that line ticked back up. The Packers are favored again. So scenarios like that, but just beware. If you think it's a good thing, the odds makers, they factor that shit into the line. And in order to win in sports betting, like I've said all along, not only do you have to be right, but the line has to be wrong. So if you're already betting into a line that the odds makers have factored in, the factors that you're thinking you're betting into, you're going to lose in the long run. So keep that one in mind. Having said all of that, here's where I stand. I have some positions Uh, for week 16 and uh, looks like it could be some value this week but one play i was sure to get in the pocket right away before the line jumped up was the cleveland browns i have that them at uh, minus six and a half that's uh, in pocket that one's i loaded up on that on monday and right now that line's got up to about nine and it's approaching 10 i think i'm gonna have to probably take a look at some buyback with the Bengals if it gets up to plus 10 but I'm more likely than not just going to ride out the Cleveland Browns in a good spot here. There's a lot of angles involved. For starters, the Browns actually are still in the playoff hunt. But then there's the whole Hugh Jackson angle. You saw how the Browns were beating the shit out of the Bengals on the road um, as a revenge spot. against. They, they really want to stick it to this guy. It's pretty clear that they do not like Hugh Jackson, the players. And at the same time, they're playing for, for Williams, the interim coach right now. Um, I don't know what they see in that guy, but they're playing hard for him. you have seen it the past few weeks. This team has completely turned things around, and now it's a rivalry game, which is a reason usually to not lay the points in a situation like this. Usually you'd want to obviously take the points of anything in these rivalry games, but the Browns are bringing the motivation. Cincinnati's all banked up. They have cluster injuries, um, and their boy just went down last week, so they got cluster injuries in their skill positions, and Cleveland with that home crowd and a big game. I like them at anything under a touchdown, but if it's over a touchdown, which it is now and you haven't gotten to play, I think this is a great teaser candidate. Tease, do a six-point teaser on the Browns. Tease them through the, the key numbers of seven and three. There's some other options to tie them in with. Uh, one example, I'm going to touch on them later, but Seattle currently at plus two and a half. You could tease them through the three and the seven up to eight and a half with a six-point teaser. That's a good candidate right there. There's some others as well, but if you can get the Browns on a teaser this week, I think that's a great look. The San Francisco 49ers at home against the Bears. The Bears with the disco ball out celebrating the NFC North title. Now they got to travel to the West Coast to take on one of the best coaches in the NFL, and Shanahan, in San Francisco. Um, at the same time, though, I'm a little concerned about this one because the 49ers obviously want a better draft pick, so this is a difficult game to handicap. But this team, in terms of regression to the mean uh, turnover margin, This is a candidate, 49ers, at the beginning of the year, had a lot of bad luck with with turnovers. Um, So you're going to see regression there. And I was obviously on them last week. They won outright against the Seahawks. That was one of my best bets was the 49ers last week. And this spot catching four, I think this gets up to four and a half. I'll probably add on it, but I think it's a good spot against the Bears. Bears obviously won the NFC North title. This is usually a good angle to play on when a team wins a big division and stuff. Obviously the players... We're out celebrating with those deep-dish pizzas and you know probably not paying attention as much to their upcoming, upcoming opponent after they clinched that division title. So it's a spot I usually like to fade the team that just won something or clinched something. Obviously, the Bears still have a lot to play for, so I'm, I'm tempering the investment on this one, but I think there is good value here on the 49ers at home catching the points against the Bears. The Baltimore Ravens, my numbers actually have this pretty close to where the line is at plus 4.5, but you have to also factor in the fact that the Chargers don't have as much of a home field advantage in that smaller stadium at the StubHub Center. But for me, this is a matchup thing. The Baltimore defense can match up toe-to-toe with the Chargers, I think. And Michael Lombardi, he's a great X's and O guy, worked for Belichick. He made a good point that the Chargers' rush defense is really neutralized by the read option that Lamar Jackson runs. So getting four and a half here, this is definitely my lean. Um, But the play I like better that I got into play already was the under in this one at 45. That's ticked down to 43 and a half. But the under 45, I think it was a great look here. I think Baltimore is going to be just run, run, run. Chargers, obviously, they're skilled at all levels. I, I love this Chargers team, but I think they're going to be neutralized. You saw what Baltimore did against Kansas City, keep the ball on the ground. Um, obviously that didn't Kansas City came back and won that with the crazy fourth down pass by Patrick Mahomes but I'm looking for a similar spot here Ravens obviously a lot to play for the defense does not allow big plays so I like the under for that reason as well probably going to see a ground and pound type of game and I think that the Ravens can win this game outright don't expect them to but they definitely can I think the the price is a little it's a little too steep on the Chargers there's some value on the Ravens this week I mentioned them earlier, but Seattle Seahawks right now they're catching plus two and a half with a little less juice. I'm really trying to find that plus three, that's not juiced out. But um, this line, according to my stuff, should be closer to a pick'em, especially when you consider the 12th man. Home field advantage for Seattle is greater than any team in football, and this is, goes back to what I was saying about Kansas City at the beginning of the season with this high-powered offense in the colder months in winter. Is it going to be neutralized more? And you've seen Kansas City kind of fall back a little bit here. Like, they're in danger, which is crazy, of getting the 5 seed. Um, them are the Chargers, one of those will be a 5 seed. Hello, cops. But, um, yeah, so for me, Seattle, they're obviously going to be at home, motivated in this spot now. Uh, you thought they might not be, but after that loss last week, they're still jockeying for their playoff position. So Seattle's going to bring in motivation, home field advantage. The crowd's going to be crazy at night, so I love them catching the three points here where I think it should be a pick em. so plus price looks good, but Kansas City, I think we might be getting that that uh, come-down-to-earth spot. We've kind of seen evidence of it the past couple weeks, and although I think Seattle's going to slow it down and try to run the ball, I'm a little worried that their defense is overrated, but at the same time, you just got to play the numbers here. I think there's value on Seattle in this spot. Um I have some leans that I'm looking to get into play on. I'm going to let you know where my numbers kind of lean, but I think there is value on the Arizona Cardinals. If you can find it at plus 14, I got that line around 10 or 11 points, so there's a little bit of value there. Obvious reasons to worry with Arizona with a likely lame duck coach in there, and obviously the Rams bringing as much motivation as you could possibly bring, but there is value if you're looking to play the numbers. I also lean the Redskins getting a full 10 points in a lower scoring game. There are places, faraway places, where you can get down on a Redskins plus 10.5 and under 37 correlated parlay. Usually you can't play something that's that correlated, but you could get down on that. I recommend doing so if you can get it. I also also lean um, Tampa Bay at plus 7.5 or better. Uh, The Detroit versus Minnesota number is tough. I think Detroit should be closer to three. Denver, that one's close because there's a motivational issue, I think. Uh, the Raiders, it's going to be their last game in Oakland, so I think you actually might see them on Monday night. That's going to be an interesting game. That's I think uh, that's one to monitor because you might see some crazy shenanigans because that's on Christmas Eve in Oakland. It's just, it just just feels like a weird one for me. And then finally, I touched on this with Philly Fran, but I might be looking to take Houston, the Texans. I think that game should be closer to a pick em. And it looks like we might be seeing Philadelphia favored by three going into that one. I think there's just an over-adjustment here. But at the same time, they might be recapturing the Magic from last year with, obviously, with Foles at quarterback, that underdog role. But I think the players know they're not underdogs in this game anymore. And Houston has, has a lot to play for. Houston's trying to get that top two, that first round bye in the playoffs. So this is going to be probably the game of the week, Philadelphia versus Houston but I think I'll probably end up with Texans plus 3 in pocket if that shows. All right, that will do it. Uh, good luck with your bets this week. And then the Doggy Juice Challenge. I wanted to make an announcement that I'm going to offer a $50 prize if you go 6-0. So if same thing, $25 Venmo prize if you go 5-0 with the Super Contest Picks. I post the lines on my Twitter and Instagram at Juice. Uh, later this afternoon, I'll post them on Thursday. Obviously, there's not as much of a need to get the numbers today because there's no Thursday night football game. There's two games on Saturday. So if you decide to play, if you give me your favorite picks against the spread, according to those numbers I post, the variation of the super contest I play, and if you go 5-0, and I'll hit you with a $25 Venmo prize. No tiebreaker. If more, if, if people go, more than one person goes 5-0, and I'll pay out everyone. Um, I'll cap it at 3, though. Nah, I won't cap it. I, I dare as many people as possible to, to uh, get in on this. But if you give me a sixth game, and I don't know if you want to specially note it or something like that, but if you go 6-0 and o with that sixth game, I'll up the prize to $50. $50 Venmo prize if you go 6-0 and o this week. Two weeks left, trying to share the wealth. We've had two guys go 5-0 and o so far this year in the Dougie Juice Challenge. Uh, shouts out to Zizzle Bizzle and Magic Man. Both got it done. I hope one other guy does it, or lady the lady can do it that'd be amazing but hope someone else does it before the season ends we got two more weeks left so get those picks in good luck to everybody enjoy your holidays whatever you're celebrating uh, get out there and enjoy time with uh, family friends loved ones and uh, enjoy the games try and make some coin as well i'll be back next week with, with another episode last episode of the 2018 calendar year it's been a lot of fun And, you know, maybe I'll even come out with another episode on top of that. I might have two more. We'll see. But either way, good luck with your bets. I'll be back next week. And uh, enjoy the holidays. Merry Christmas. Doggy Juice out.